0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. we live.
1: This is Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast and follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Walker Mail and Nada is on Twitter at Nada the Scribe. So we have some content to work with with the Charlotte Hornets because they have the third overall pick. It's something that we have not been granted moving up in the lottery in 21 years. And so now... There are endless possibilities, especially in this NBA draft. If we were in last year's NBA draft, I think everybody would have R.J. Barrett pinned to the Charlotte Hornets because clearly Zion was going to go number one. Clearly Ja was going to go two. And even last year, pretty clearly, R.J. was going to go three. But that is not the case this season where it could be really anybody at number one, except James Wiseman. I feel like that's the number one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Up yeah. at the top. Yeah. Minnesota's got a center already. Some
0: guy named Carl Anthony Downs. Maybe again, right. maybe you heard of him.
1: Uh, I have heard of him, and James Wiseman is going to be someone that is not going to be considered with Minnesota there. So that's probably the the one thing we know is not going to happen. Everybody has Anthony Edwards kind of pinned with the Timberwolves, and it makes sense. I guess you could see LaMelo Ball going there, but Anthony Edwards is going to be the guy um, that it seems like for the Timberwolves. And then we get to an interesting scenario with Golden State, because then... I do think that there are a lot of possibilities with Golden State, but James Wiseman is the favorite to go there unless Golden State trades their pick. And that's going to be the fascinating question. I think that is the biggest question from a national standpoint on what Golden State is going to do. Anthony Slater of The Athletic tried to make a prediction on what the Golden State Warriors might do. I know Kevin Pelton also, I believe, wrote something for ESPN Insider on what he thinks the Golden uh, State Warriors should try to do. So sticking with Anthony Slater's article in The Athletic, he says, if it's Anthony Edwards for uh, for the Wolves, and that would make a lot of sense, I see Wiseman as the obvious choice for Golden State. But I've been driving the Wiseman to the Warriors bandwagon for about a month now. The Warriors were bottom 10 in rebound rate and shot blocks last season. Everyone mentions Kevin Durant's scoring, but almost equally, they'll miss his defensive length, athleticism, and rim protection. It's a roster that currently lacks it. But Wiseman isn't the choice for isn't a choice for the now. Young centers are hard to keep on the floor in the playoffs, all young players are generally. The Warriors should make this selection in 20, with 2023 in mind. Who is the best suited to become an All-Star? when that Steph Curry core is fading, you can make a strong argument that Wiseman with the physical profile has the highest ceiling. And so golden state has the question because he's right. We do see even the top tier centers get played off of the court to some degree. There's someone that comes to mind. I don't think Joel Embiid is really played off of the court. You keep him on there and crunch. Yeah. That's because he plays in the
0: East though. If he played in the West, I'm pretty sure that we would see him get played off the floor just as equally.
1: I think it has more to do with the talent around Philadelphia. Not who? Why would you? What would you do if you took Joel and beat off the court? I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to put Al Horford out there and then try to win? I mean, that that's not going to happen with what Philadelphia is going to do. So, yeah, like there there are exceptions to the rule, but we've had the big man and wing conversation before. Mm -hmm. But what happens with Golden State becomes interesting because if Golden State decides to take what most people would deem the fit, then the Hornets would be left with a lamello ball who a lot of people have as the most talented player in this NBA draft, but Anthony Edwards is so popular at the number one spot and Wiseman, if they don't trade, it is so popular at the two spot. How do you think golden state might affect what the Charlotte Hornets might uh, might do at number three?
0: It's funny because from that same athletic article, you have, um, I forgot who it was, John Krasuski of the athletic also mentioned that you have again, Gerson Rosas has known to been a trade guy and he's not above trading either. So there we, again, as Charlotte, you've got to expect for the unexpected, the Knicks may be at number one or number two, or because, because I see a guy like Mitchell Robinson being a guy that will grease, grease the wheels of a trade, because as you just mentioned, golden state needs rebounds and block shots. What does Mitchell Robinson provide them block shots. So I could see the Knicks sliding ahead, I think what we're doing is we're trying to explain to the Hornets fan base while everything's slated for LaMelo Ball to be here, I wouldn't necessarily expect it because I don't, I don't know. There's something about this. that's like a little too clean. And for a draft like this where nobody knows what they really want, it feels like there's going to be a lot of chaos here, Walker, right? Like it feels like there's, there's just this one potential for chaos, and people are going to start scrambling to get their guy. Now, the only thing is, we don't know who the Charlotte Hornets really have picked as the guy that they absolutely want. And that's where it gets kind of scary, right?
1: The more I think about what the Hornets should do, the more I feel like I would be a fan of the Hornets trading back a few spots and then selecting whoever the hell falls there. I really would, especially if there is a team, as you suggest, that wants to move up so badly to get their guy and if one of these guys do fall and then the hornets could say hey look LaMelo Ball's right here he's your point guard of the future he's got all the size they could talk about all of the pros with LaMelo and then somebody i would imagine um it, or if this is just the case if there is a team that wants LaMelo Ball badly enough and he does fall to number 3 where there are plenty of NBA draft analysts out there that do have LaMelo Ball as the number 1 overall player and he falls to 3 then I would imagine also there's got to be a team that covets him enough at least to think about trading up. And if that team is within the top six, I don't know if that would be Chicago at four. I don't think they would be the team to do it. If you had any of these other teams, I'm trying to pull up the draft order right now. But If you're talking
0: about a Cleveland, I can see you saying a Cleveland and Atlanta. Like Cleveland's the most likely spot that I can see somebody saying, talking to the Hornets and saying, hey, we'll give you X and then you can just move, slide down to five. Like, I can see that, but it would take a lot for me to do that because if Lonzo Ball's there, you have, if you're the one that's, you have to select Lonzo Ball. There is, I'm not Lonzo, I mean LaMelo. You have to select him. I'm sorry. You can't not select a guy that could be a generational talent. It's one well, of those. I mean, uh, let, 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 let me hear, because here's like, I know that people are scared of the shot. I know people are scared of LeVar. And like, it's like I told you, I think last week, Walker. I'm not afraid of the shot as much because if you could fix the Cody, Cody and Caleb Martin shot, jump shots to where they're functional, I think you can fix LaMelo ball shot.
1: Well, I think one thing is you're already, you're already saying that the Martin twin shots are saved when we're asking Cody Martin just has to develop that shot. So it's True. not fixed. And Caleb Martin's shot, I'm not going to tell you after the small sample size that we saw that his shot is just completely fine. I don't think their mechanics are nearly as bad as what LaMelo's was. And we have the MKG experiment, where I actually do think that he was a little bit better shooter than because it it became the running joke anytime he made a three. Yeah, he's a bad shooter. I get it. I don't think he has, I I think that was overstated at times, but clearly trying to, to get it twisted that he was a good shooter. I do have problems with LaMelo Ball, but yeah, of course, like we're talking about these guys that could be a generational star. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about that with anybody that is a top three pick and I get all of that. What I think is happening here is we're falling in love with the number three more than we are with the prospects because you could argue I mean, one you're talking about the top five guys in next year's class all being selected before you would have Anthony Edwards be number one or Wiseman or LaMelo Ball number one. And is the fifth pick in next year's class more valuable than the third pick in this year's class? Then I would say yes to that. I mean, when we talked with Chad Ford at the beginning of this process, he was discussing, one, just like a lot of people, how 2013 is the draft that this particular class reminds him of. That's not a compliment with any stretch of the imagination. and what he was saying, I, what I asked him, I was like, okay, Chad, Chad is a big mellow Ball fan compared to everybody else in this class, and he has him as his number one overall prospect. And so I asked him, where would he rank in the normal NBA draft class? And he said about five or six or so. And so what people are doing, and I did it too, Like I was really excited when the Hornets got the third overall selection. I, I still am because it at least brings you value. It at least gives you opportunities. Even if you don't want that selection, then you could trade down. But what we're doing is we're falling in love with the number three rather than actually falling in love with the prospect that could be there at number three when we could talk about the number five guy next year being more valuable. If there is a team that falls in love with LaMelo Ball more than the Hornets do and you have an opportunity to get future assets and another first round pick to add to your arsenal, then that's what I'm doing, especially... And, and I don't even know if I put a ton of implications in the cap space, but it is nice to not have to pay whoever this guy might be $11.5 million in a few seasons, If especially if he doesn't pan out, which everybody is afraid of. So the more I think about it, not a the logical explanation to me is to trade back if there is a team in this hypothetical scenario that wants to trade up because they fell in love with any prospect that's there.
0: Here's my question to you, Walker, on this: If people, if we know that this is a bad draft, if the executives know it's a bad draft, what makes you think that these executives are going to go crazy and be like drunken men in the and in, in like a drunken sailor in a bar per se? And go and drastically overspend next year 's picks again, which we all know is a drafter a deeper draft, so why are so, they gonna, why would they so, do that
1: well that 's because one i 've thrown this in the hypothetical scenario, True. If there is a team out there to do that, so i 'm not saying there will be, but what we have here is we have people also telling me right, and I think you and Doug have both done this you 've asked me the same question, but also you 're saying, stay here at three and draft that guy well then if, if they 're not like. I think that's contradictory statements. If you're saying if LaMelo's there, then you have to draft him at three. Well, this draft class isn't very good. What GM is going to want to trade up to go get somebody at number three? It's like, well, well which one is it to me? Because if LaMelo Ball is that guy that you guys are telling me you have to take at number three overall if he falls, but also that other GMs aren't going to fall in love with him enough to go get him, I just don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. There's a reason, maybe. If that scenario is the case, what you guys are describing, then then why is LaMelo Ball the guy that We should be taking at three because
0: because he might be the only because everybody's got warts in this draft. And I think we've said that everybody's got warts. I I want the guy that I think this training staff, this development staff can file away as many of those warts as you possibly can. And he may not be a star, but he might be a, a functional building block.
1: And well, but, but you can definitely find a functional building block even at six, seven, or eight if the Knicks decide to move up, right? Like, you can definitely find that too, and I think that's my point, is let alone who the number one overall pick is going to be, who in the hell is the third overall, fourth, and fifth overall pick going to be? They could absolutely last to eight. If the Knicks want their star in LaMelo Ball, who is this flashy guy that the Knicks just haven't been able to get, and if they're already really scared of R.J. Barrett and they need another star, which Everybody's going to win a star? And the Knicks decide that they would like to have that Lamelo Ball guy. Then, yeah, I wouldn't mind trading all the way back to eight and drafting a one of these other guys that could be available there.
0: I don't. I don't necessarily disagree. I just don't. I I'd like to think the Knicks are going to be as stupid as normal, especially now. I just have a feeling that they're not going because it's a new organization. They can't make that risk yet. And I don't think they're going to make that leap no matter how much I would love them to see them and, mm-hmm. and draft again, take all their picks. I would love to fleece them again one more time because there's nothing more fun when your team fleeces the Knicks. There's nothing there, There's literally nothing like you find an extra $5 in your, in your couch or something like along the lines of, like that. But there's nothing more fun than fleecing the Knicks. And there's nothing that would make me laugh more than fl- fleecing the Knicks. So I'll I'm you- always here.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you what is worth trading up for and worth spending that $5 that you found in the couch cushions on. It is CBDMD. It doesn't matter if you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at MD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient an also easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube and CBD Recover, it combines CBD with an inflammation-fighting compound like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need when it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBD MD. We'll take a quick break. We have plenty more to get to here on the Locked on Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked on Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. Final play though, was pretty,
0: pretty If You missed the shot, you missed the shot, but that was, and that good. It was reminiscent of Hornets inbounds years past.
1: I was going to say, yeah, it was doo-doo, as you said, and it reminded us. What was the other shot that you didn't like, Doug? It's a technical Uh, term,
0: technical basketball term. I'm a smart basketball guy.
1: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Another interesting thing I wanted to get to from that article, it's what the Warriors decide to do what to, which kind of led to that whole conversation. But it's his line about, You draft Wiseman for the future when the core is fading, and then he could have the highest ceiling to be the star, and maybe he could help you out in year two or something like that. But he says you're not drafting Wiseman for the now, you're drafting Wiseman for the future. And if you're Golden State, you don't have a much longer window with the core that you currently have in place to start winning championships again. And I'm interested as hell in seeing what Golden State not only does with this second overall pick, but how they can get back up to the top in the Western Conference with Steph Curry, with Klay Thompson, and the guys that we already know that are still there. So do you think that they can get someone that helps them in the draft maybe more immediately than this guy that we have dubbed a raw prospect in James Wiseman, but he does fit a need as that's kind of... The, it's been the big guy for them that they've always needed or that the uh, Golden State's always needed. And so do you draft the raw big guy that maybe has a really high ceiling that could fit a position of need but needs a lot more time to cook? Or do you draft somebody that you would deem a little bit more helpful right now? And honestly, I don't even know where that prospect is. So they might not have a choice if they have the second overall pick. But I think the thing for Golden State is you need to continue to build with the team that you have now and and, and win with a guy that can come in and help you right away. That's why I would imagine Golden State is doing everything they possibly can to trade the second overall pick for one of the solidified pieces.
0: It's, it's one of those things that I do worry about. And it's like you said, and the bigger thing I think I have an issue with is we're seeing the Western Conference and you're saying build around a guy who might have the most physical raw potential. But like I've try, been trying to point out for a little bit now, if you're building around a big man in the West you're basically saying, okay, my most important player is possibly going to get played off the floor in the West right now. Because, again, you start thinking about Jokic. Jokic is getting played off the floor by the Utah Jazz and Rudy Gobert. And Rudy Gobert ain't that good on offense. Now, we, again, we've seen, again, Carl Anthony Towns get played off the floor because he's, one, he's a one-way big. He, do, he scores. He doesn't do much rebounding or defense. Bigs like this are starting to be a problem and starting to be a liability when we start talking about like building teams around them. It's why I'm always. That's why I'm probably going to be on this wings win rings thing for quite a while. I mean, look at Kristaps Porzingis. Dallas gave the get, Dallas gave the Knicks everything he could want, and the most important games that Dallas has won thus far have been with Kristaps Porzingis off the floor. How important are, is building around the big right now? And I think well, that's something I worry about.
1: I mean, K.P. has been very good. And there's also the argument that K.P., if he was playing in game one, that the Mavericks would have won game one against the Clippers. And it's also somebody that can shoot from beyond the arc in a way that Rudy Gobert can't. And Nikola Jokic isn't nearly as good of a three-point shooter, even though he's a good three-point shooter. I'm not saying he can't stretch the floor, but K.P. has just been lights out in the bubble and it really causes problems. That guy's been automatic in the bubble. The real question that I have... So... If we're going to bring this back to the Charlotte Hornets Mm -hmm. and pretty clearly the center position, Cody Zeller going into, you know, the the last year of his contract, is that somebody that you would trade? Uh, You know, that that's a guy that's been in the conversation for, I mean, man, you know, at least the last season, probably even longer than that. Then you're talking about Bismack Biombo, not contractually obligated with the Hornets, and neither is Billy Hernan Gomez. The point being is that the five-man is up for grabs, and it would make a lot of sense if you were just to go based off of position, why you would draft James Wiseman if he's available at three. The Hornets are adamant that they are not going to draft based on position. They, they are asked this every single press availability, and they answer it every single press availability that they are not in a position to draft based off of position, but only best player available. Do you think that the two coincide and maybe the subconsciousness of needing a big man actually does infiltrate the mind of Mitch Kupchak, where he kind of maybe leans more towards James Wiseman rather than drafting one of these other guys that could be available, whether it be Killian Hayes, Obby, uh Ball, any of those guys they might be considering on the way? The
0: thing is, like... I- I understand that people I understand that the Hornets are saying we're gonna draft for talent. We're not necessarily gonna draft for need. We're not in a position to draft for need. Here's the problem with that. If you draft, let's say you let's say people think that Obi Toppin is one of the three best players in this draft. I'm not one of those people. But let's say let's just say for argument's sake, that's the case. If you draft Obi Toppin, you're trading either Bridges or PJ. And now you've done that with killing the value, the trade value, because they know you can't keep all three on the roster for longer than a year. At some point, like drafting for best player works when you don't have so many similar pieces. Like you have a bunch of similar pieces on the roster between Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham, you have a bunch of similar pieces between. Um, between Bridges and PJ Washington already.
1: Like- well, I, the thing about the thing about drafting Obi Toppin. I think he is. You, I think you bring up the one guy that realistically could be in consideration at three. It'd be a stretch given what we've seen so far, but he he realistically could be in consideration at three. I think you bring up the one guy that really doesn't fill a position of need for the Hornets. You know, I've talked about this before. The the Hornets need size, I think, both inside and out where you could draft ball. And I love the size coinciding with the Devante, Terry or Malik. Monk, whatever player that you have on the roster that's running the point in the two, you know, same thing with Anthony Edwards, he's big and athletic and, and strong enough to run the two and, and play with a lot of different guys. James Brago can have fun with those matchups, mm-hmm. you know, they'll you know, he comes in at six, nine, think about him on the floor with, let's just say this, like trying to play all of your first round picks together. Let's just say that you would try to run Obi at the five. Paul uh, or PJ Washington at the four, and then Miles at the three. You couldn't do that, and especially defensively. Defensively, you're giving up 130 points a yeah, game doing. Yeah, that. right. Like PJ is the best defender out of all three of those guys, and that's not because he is a defensive stalwart. So you're bringing an Obi Toppin, and it doesn't help you a ton with the rim protection and defense down low. And so that's why I don't think Obi Toppin. Is even though he's a realistic possibility among mock drafts that you see, it's why I don't think Obi Toppin is in true consideration there, or should not be at least, because his defense is just too much of a liability. The one thing that we've heard from Mitch Kupchak before, based on some of the skill sets they could use, we've heard rim protection for like the last two and a half, three years now, and that is something a Kung Wu and Wiseman could bring you if both of them reach their potential, and so those are the guys that make sense more so than Toppin. I will say this, though, like when we talk about Mitch Kupchak and whether he actually means drafting best player available or maybe having one of these guys that have a position infiltrate your opinion a little bit more, he didn't show that with P.J. Washington and Miles Bridges last year. You know, those guys we kind of talked about being redundant. And, you know, we even discussed, yeah, we could see PJ Washington at the five more. And we actually saw some success from that. But still, we still have the same conversation about how redundant is that going to be? And then you see, you know, Jalen McDaniels, Cody Martin, Kayla mm-hmm. Martin signed, you know, you have a bunch of these guys. So I, I, I truly do believe that Mitch Kupchak is telling us the truth. I- I will go best player available. And I don't give a damn what position he plays. Even if we have 17 guys on the roster that play the same position.
0: Like I, again, I get it. I understand. I totally understand. But at the same time, it's like I said, we got to use context. When we start talking about the drafting of PJ, PJ Washington and miles bridges. One was for the marching orders to make the playoffs. The other was okay. Now I can start making my building blocks because Kemba's probably gone. Those are two different guys and also like like i keep saying at some point you're going to have to deal one or the other because you cannot keep both I, and i really do not believe that at the same time I, everyone keeps saying rim protecting center is probably the biggest hole on, on this roster and i completely disagree i mean i honestly think scoring wing is the biggest hole on this roster and I don't know if it's you go and you, you hope that Anthony Edwards drops a three or you go and get a, a Joe Harrison free agency or something like that. I'm one of those guys that believes that the wing is probably the bigger hole than the big, because I think you've got, you have guys like Daniel Otoru in the second round that you can get at 32 and you can do some other things within this draft to fill the big man hole. And also remember you have Thomas Welsh in Greensboro who could spell somebody if you actually needed someone.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say Thomas Welsh needs to affect why you shouldn't take one of these
0: big. Oh no, 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 no. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying he should, I'm not saying he should, he should should affect it. I'm saying the whole at wing is that gaping to where you can justify anything.
1: Yeah. For me, what makes this interesting is what's going on with the Miami Heat and Bam Adebayo. Because if you were to just kind of size up these guys, James Wiseman's one and you know, might get played off the floor because he's just too big to go out on the perimeter mm-hmm. and guard these guys. So is that where an Akung Wu comes into play? Absolutely. Is just so high. And is that someone that you could maybe alter your no big man in the first round opinion? But the thing about Bam Adebayo, where he became a... A contender for most improved player of the year award is, you know, Bam Adebayo showed ball handling skills and vision in a way that just was not at display in Kentucky. I mean, we're talking about, you know, historic rises with that part of his game, you know, compared to other guys that like averaged one assist or less in college. And now here he is averaging five, where they're even running their offense through him. You know, is that something that you can? reasonably expect from a Kung Wu. And so, you know, that becomes an interesting question. But I think if you were to say who becomes that guy between Wiseman and a Kung Wu, I think a Kung Wu is the answer.
0: No, he's absolutely the answer because I've seen, again, you can see enough tape on what he does in terms of covering the pick and roll. And I think yeah, if the it's the big, <laughs> again, if you're talking about what a big needs to do in 2000 and again, 2020 and going forward, they need to be able to cover the pick and roll. And if you can't do that, then what good are you on the floor? Quite honestly, because for all your secondary rim protection, you're going to be there late and you're going to get picked on. And then you are going to get played off the floor. That matters. So again, if we're going to talk about, if I have to draft a big man, it's a Kongwu. And in that case, I'm with you then, Walker. Trade down and get another asset because otherwise I don't see the point.
1: Yeah. is interesting to me because I have seen some people really like him. We're up against a break, but I do think that Akungwu is somebody that, you know, you, you would be living a little dangerously. You could just take him at three. You could just absolutely decide he is the best player available and he does fit a need and you could just select him three overall. Um, but I would r- agree with you. Even if it is a little dangerous, I might consider calling some of these teams at 4, 5, or 6 and deciding to trade back, trying to get future assets, and then hope that a Kung Wu is there. And if not, then maybe one of these other guys that are also you know, just an, as much as a, uh, of a risk. Hopefully, they could be there as well. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockautos.com prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to fail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck Right, Locked On and there. How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Nada wants to talk about the playoffs and the chicken nuggets. We do that next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets.
0: And which, would, would I have liked to see a few more sharts? Sh- sharts? No,
1: I would not have <laughs> liked. That's also a That's also a shark. I... <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Nada, you brought this up right before we started recording. Do I have this right that McDonald's is trying to bite off the style of one Wendy's restaurant?
0: Yes, yes, they are. In fact, I have the press release with me right now. McDonald's is adding a spicy chicken nuggets to the menu starting on September 16th. Marking the first time the chain has introduced a new McNugget in the U.S. since the menu item debuted in 1983. Walker, the fact that that the chicken McNugget is as old as I am makes me feel really, really old. But the fact that we're getting spicy chicken McNuggets, hey, this is something to celebrate.
1: Yeah, it is something to celebrate. And Wendy's plays with us too much, right? Because won't they introduce the spicy nuggets and then take it away and then introduce it again? Because it's not a permanent item all the time. Am I right about that? No,
0: you're right about that. It's not a permanent item all the time. And more importantly, if you've tasted the Wendy's spicy nuggets recently, they're not as good as
1: they used to be. Is that like, right? Because I've only had them really recently. There's a Wendy's. I live closer to the metropolitan area. Yeah. And Wendy's is obviously right there, which is always packed at lunchtime. And because I have weird hours, I'm able to sneak in right at lunchtime, but also kind of beat the traffic. And I love me some Wendy's, man, especially the spicy chicken nuggets that they have. I will absolutely get those. And they are still pretty good. And so my thing about McDonald's bringing this is if you if you bring the chicken nuggets if you bring the spicy McNuggets, then you need to come correct because Wendy's already has this correct. And if you're going to compete with them, then you need to make sure that you've got a pretty good recipe.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's the fact is, it's not very good at all. Like, not not very good at all. And the thing is, like, again, you got in on, like, when it basically, when the recipe kind of died, where, unfortunately, it's just... I, I don't even know, are you right?
1: going are you going old man fast food restaurant take on me saying yes, that these spicy chicken nuggets aren't even close to what I had growing up? Is that what you're telling me yes that's exactly what I'm telling you. What sauce do you go with with chicken nuggets um probably like barbecue sauce absolutely
0: barbecue sauce.
1: Yeah, I go I wouldn't mind a ranch-based sauce. I also am a huge honey mustard fan and that's what I usually go with. My favorite honey mustard though is Bojangles honey mustard. Love Bojangles honey mustard. I know you don't like their chicken, but their honey mustard is fire. Um and I also go with cookout honey mustard too. I like that as well. Yeah, but- that makes sense. Yeah, Those those are the two dipping sauces that I'm going with. If McDonald's though, if they're going to bring in the spicy nuggets, man, then they need to come correct. That's all I'm going to tell you about my fast food take on what McDonald's is bringing to the table real quickly before we end today's show. Let's give some playoff takes. What did you make of what we saw yesterday with LeBron pounding his chest, sending a message to Damian Lillard saying he's not the only one that can hit threes from the logo. We also got a couple of series clinchers and, um, and what we saw with the Boston Celtics, of course, they're moving on after Philly lost. What just your overall take? I know they played a couple of days ago, but what did you make of what we saw, maybe from the games uh, yesterday in the postseason?
0: Well, it's again, I feel bad for the Pacers fans that basically got dispatched fairly quickly. I thought that was going to be much more of a series, but at the same time, as you warned me, with no Sabonis, that really wasn't going to be that much of a competition. And then also, more importantly, at some point uh, again, just
1: the so we had Milwaukee beat Orlando three yeah. one, and then Houston OKC is tied up. OKC winning yesterday one seventeen to one fourteen.
0: Yeah, the 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 die is cast with Orlando and Milwaukee. Unfortunately, like that's done. Like we're done, done with that. That it's just we we get the gentleman sweep instead of the actual sweep, and we're we're gonna get the gentleman sweep with Portland and, and the Lakers as well. Um, I just can't wait for the second round. But like, that's the biggest take I think I have from these first round of the playoffs. I can't wait for the second round. I don't know about you.
1: We talked with Gary Washburn of the Boston globe on the wake up call today. And we discussed just Kimba's role with Boston, how much of a change it's been since Kyrie Irving was there last year to where Kimba Walker is with them right now, how healthy he is, how they were legitimately scared. It kind of makes you wonder how scared we should have been at the beginning of this bubble process when we were all worried about Kimba's health. It had taken so many months and he still was banged up. But now here he is giving you 30 and playing huge crunch time minutes in the last two games or making clutch plays, I should say, in the last couple of minutes of each of the last two games. And Kimba looks great. And you just can't help but be happy for him with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown continuing to move on. But the Toronto Raptors-Boston Celtics matchup, I thought that the injuries and the matchups and just the kind of lack of play maybe that we saw was going to make for a less intriguing first round in the East. Like Mm -hmm. Miami just owns Indiana and Indiana's banged up all over the place. So I kind of expected that series to go exactly as it did. Like a danger of being swept, but being close for the most part, but the Miami Heat pulling away at the end. For me, honestly, I don't know if I could have predicted that any better in my brain. (laughs) <laughs> I, I held on to Philly so long. And then, of course, when they had the injuries, it was going to be obvious that the Boston Celtics were going to move on. Now, to the second round is where it's going to get fascinating. Like Miami yeah. and Milwaukee signed me up all day. And same thing with Boston-Toronto. The second round in the East is when it's going to be crazy, crazy fun to watch.
0: The second round overall, like, we've gotten a couple of – like, again, we have a couple of good series out West. But the second round overall, like – People were worried about the ratings before. You won't be. I wouldn't be after this. Like, we're going to have some knockdown, drag out. Everything may be going to seven, Walker. All of them may be going to seven. That's how good these will be.
1: Yeah. I'm going back to this real quickly, like in the roundup or in the, in the last segment, are you telling me as well as the nuggets that they have, you're telling me there's a new hot dip, there's a new chips Ahoy McFlurry flavor. Is that what you're also telling me?
0: That's what I'm also telling you. The McFlurry is, is is upgraded.
1: Look, did I also see you tweet that Chips Ahoy are like not all that great? What was your Chips Ahoy take on Twitter?
0: They're entry-level chocolate chip cookies. They're entry-level. They're good for what... Again, they're a good gateway drug. That's
1: all they are. They're not actually that good. You can do better. See, I think think that because everybody wants to go to the soft, chewy style of cookie, but then they eat a Chips Ahoy cookie and they're like, oh, wait, yeah, no, this is good. Because in your brain, I think everybody wants to have soft melt in your mouth type of cookie. And I'm here for that as well. Don't get me started on the the elementary school chocolate chip cookies that were big, but that were really soft in the middle. Those are still among the best cookies I've ever had. But Chips Ahoy, even if they're not the soft, chewy kind, the OGs at least aren't, I could still eat about 17 of those and be ready for 17 more, even with the kind of slander that they get because they're not soft and chewy.
0: Sir, you like grape jelly. None of this surprises me. Um, None of I it. still have better bootlegs than Doug, though, and I'll always. That's say not saying much. That. That's a, the, the bar <laughs> is the floor, Walker. The bar that, is the that, floor on
1: that. That wraps up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to you guys, as always, for supporting the show. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Rejecting the Screen. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.